This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast is helping middle-aged white people understand white guilt, shame, and the history of America. So let's define our terms. Racism is that which serves to disadvantage and restrict people of color in ways that advance the interests of those in power who, by the way, are overwhelmingly white males. It's systemic. This means it's all over the place, not just in a few places. And it's not just a few bad apples. It's an infestation of our various social systems such that it affects the whole system. It's like a bit of poison in the water tank. A bit of it infects and the whole is affected. It's become so normalized that we often don't even see it. But make no mistake, there's a bit of poison in the water tank. So the desired outcome is to reduce and eventually eliminate systemic racism. That is our goal. So let's take a look at America the Beautiful. The recent outbreak of racist acts is a result of the ugly stain of racism that has always festered like a virus in our God bless America society. Racism was a part of the fabric of this Make America Great Again nation long before Washington crossed the Delaware. Slavery was the economic engine upon which this one nation under God was built. It was slavery that was used to pull the wealth from this land so that white people could live in big houses and drink lemonade out on the veranda while wearing hoop skirts. So let's take a look at Manifest Destiny. Racism comes in a variety of forms and flavors. For example, on the 4th of July, when people are all busy loving America, they often forget this silly little thing called manifest destiny. Now, in the 19th century, this wacky, nutty, zany idea was used as an excuse to decimate indigenous peoples and confiscate their land. White males wearing tight pants, in meetings with other white males wearing tight pants, convinced themselves that there was something very uniquely special about white males wearing tight pants and that the institutions that they had designed were special as well. They decided that God wanted them to pillage, murder, and commit genocide so that the continent could be theirs and everyone could have freedom and independence. Except for black people, of course, and indigenous people and people from China, and women, and gay people, and I don't think they cared much for Latinx people either. But everyone else was definitely in the special club. God bless America. Now in the book, An Indigenous People's History of the United States, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz says that the very existence of our country is dependent on the looting of an entire continent and its resources. Colonization, dispossession, settler colonialism, genocide. 
These are the terms that drill to the core of U.S. history, to the very source of this country's existence. And these special white men, wearing their tight pants, who are out manifesting their destiny all over the place, had the audacity to call indigenous people savages. Imagine that, savages. So to be clear, the people who were pillaging, murdering, stealing, and committing genocide called the people who weren't doing these things savages. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly how does that work? So let's take a look at white guilt and shame and honesty. A disclaimer, I am a white man. My whiteness is all that I've ever lived and experienced. As such, I can never fully understand what it means to be a person of color living in an art society. But I'm trying to get a small piece of this right, my small piece. And while I should never lead the conversation or appropriate the entire discussion, we all need to be a part of it. So let's take a look at personal shame on a personal level. I feel no guilt or shame for the systemic racism in our country. That's honesty. I feel no guilt or shame for feeling no guilt and shame. Now, before you send me a whole bunch of emails, let me explain. Guilt involves being aware of our wrongful or improper deeds or behaviors and how they may have hurt others. It's a feeling of responsibility for some action, real or imagined, or an awareness that we've done something improper or wrong. That's guilt. Now, shame may arise from guilt, but is technically a bit different. Shame is related to how we appear to ourselves or others. It's the painful feeling forming in consciousness, stemming from something dishonorable or improper or lacking or deficient that was done or with which one is associated. Shame is not always related to an action. It can also be related to a condition, such as a perceived uh, physical or mental disorder or disability. Shame often occurs as a result of guilt, but not always. Indeed, there are people who appear to feel no shame, even though they're fully aware of their wrongful or improper actions. These people are called psychopaths. According to the DSM-5, they have an antisocial personality disorder or a narcissistic personality disorder. So let's take a look at the psychopathic history of the United States of America. As stated above, a psychopath feels no sense of guilt, shame, or remorse. Thus, we must conclude that the writers of U.S. history for the most part, are and were either willfully ignorant or psychopaths. For now, let's go with psychopaths, as that seems a bit more complimentary. Let's take a look at the McGraw-Hill version of reality. I'd recommend three powerful and well-written books. First is an African-American and Latinx history of the United States by Paul Ortiz. Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson, and An Indigenous People's History of the United States 
by Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. This was mentioned earlier. These are just three of the many books and other resources that provide a view of U.S. history that's a bit different from the whitewashed McGraw-Hill version of reality that many of us experienced. This McGraw-Hill version of reality seems to prance lightly upon the slavery and exploitation of human beings at the beginning of our land of the free country. It seems to dismiss the Holocaust on this continent that consumed millions of indigenous people. Oops. So while I appreciate and am grateful for many aspects of our country, I am generally proud of our system of democracy and the freedom it allows. I also recognize our racist U.S. history and the systemic racism that lingers. For this, I feel a collective guilt and shame for our nation. Now, as stated, on a personal level, I feel no guilt. I'm not trying to perpetuate a wrong. I'm trying to do what I can, but neither do I feel shame on a personal level. However, I do feel anger, disgust, and dismay at the injustices, inequity, discrimination, and atrocities that have occurred and continue to occur as a result of systemic racism. For this, I am deeply ashamed for our country. Now, when I make statements about collective guilt and shame of our nation, I hear things like, well, if you're ashamed of our country, why don't you just leave? If you hate our country, go someplace else. These kind of comments usually come from people who see themselves as patriotic because they wave a flag and stand at attention during the national anthem. However, this why don't you leave it if you don't like it response is the most unpatriotic response imaginable. An analogy, if you will. If you love your family, you don't leave it if you recognize that there's difficulties. You stay and try to make it better. If you love your family, you don't ignore or gloss over problems as they arise. You acknowledge them and you work to solve them. In the same way, if you love your country, you recognize the difficulties. If you love your country, you stay and try to make it better. If you love your country, you try to solve the problems, one of which is systemic racism that's eating away at us. An honest, reflective analysis does not make one unpatriotic. What would be unpatriotic would be to turn the other way, to do nothing. To simply wave a bunch of flags and sing God bless America, that would be unpatriotic. And I and many others refuse to be unpatriotic. The idea that if you seek change you hate America is decidedly un-American. I and others refuse to be un-American. This American experiment will continue to evolve and refine itself only to the degree that we're able to honestly reflect and address the problems that confront us, one of which is systemic racism.